Thank you for listening to the weekly podcast from San Jacinto Assembly of God in Amarillo, Texas. If you'd like to know more about our church, visit us online at www.sjag.church. Now here's this week's message. Well, turn with me in the Bible to Isaiah this morning. We're going to spend some time there. Isaiah chapter 32. If you'll stand with me, we'll read there and as we start the message this morning. Isaiah chapter 32, it says, Behold, a king will reign in righteousness, and princes will rule with justice, and a man will be as a hiding place from the wind, and a cover from the tempest, as rivers of water in a dry place, as the shadow of a great rock in a weary land. The eyes of those who see will will not be dimmed, and the ears of those who hear will listen, and also the heart of the rash will understand. Knowledge and the tongue of the stammerers will be ready to speak plainly. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, this morning we thank You and praise You in this house. Lord, we thank You for Your presence that's been here in this time of worship as we just lifted Your name up in praise. And Lord, we pray also at this time of the preaching of the Word, Lord, that You would open our hearts to Your Word. I pray, Lord, that You would encourage us in Your Word this morning. Lord, may we find strength in Your Word. Father, we thank You for the Word that came through Brother Brian this morning that also parallels this message this morning, and we give You praise for that. We ask it all in Jesus' name. To You be the praise and the glory. Amen. You may be seated this morning. As we look at these verses this morning, i give you a little bit of background, and these verses could be considered a double reference as you look at the passage that we looked at this morning in Isaiah 32, one referring to Hezekiah and how he would be a just, just king, and also how he would bring deliverance from a corrupt leadership uh, that was taking place in Israel that time, but the other referring to Christ the King of Kings as you read this passage. But if you look at the content and what is truly, or truly being said, I believe we would lean more toward a messianic passage, one referring to Christ. Which there are many times in the Old Testament you will find this very thing that takes place, a double reference to the, that particular time and also a double reference to Christ Himself and of His future coming. Especially in the books of prophet, the prophets, we'll see it many times, that double reference there. And so these verses describe King Jesus' current reign in the spiritual dimension, and it also talks about that physical reign during the millennium that will be taking place, and, and we read about in Revelations chapter 20. If we look at these verses in the light of Jesus' reign, they bring great comfort to the child of God sojourning in this place we call earth, or even if we zoom it in a little closer. How many like Google Zoom? You know, you can sit here and bring it all the way up to your front yard. And if we zoom it in a little closer and where it actually applies into our life, if we zoom it in a little closer, more than just planet earth, we also can zoom it into America itself. And what's going on in this country that we live in, we can apply it into that as we sojourn in this country that we call the USA. They can bring great comfort to where we're at this morning. How can they bring comfort? I want to look at the first part. It's Jesus, this kingdom is up and running. 
His kingdom is up and running. In verse 1, it says, Behold, a king will reign in righteousness. You know, once a king, always king. Amen? Once a king, always king. You know, there are those that say that he does not reign until he comes back in the second advent and rules during the millennium. And there are others that say he is not king yet because the Jews rejected him. I've got to say those things are wrong. You know, I know there are many scriptures in the Bible and, and literally that speak of Jesus as king. For the lack of time, I'm just going to share a few this morning. About 40 of them, just kidding. I'm just going to share a few this morning about the fact, because I think it helps us to bring comfort when we truly get an ideal of, yes, His kingdom is up and running right now. Because sometimes we get so focused on what's going on around us, we think, well, Jesus, when are you going to stir things up? Jesus, when are you going to come in? Lord, when are you going to start doing what you need to do? I'm going to tell you, He's working right now. He's busy right now. His kingdom is active. And things are happening that we cannot see, but if we could see them all, we'd be going, yes, Jesus, hallelujah, yes, the Lord, because we know that He's doing something tremendous. But as many of us, we have our eyes on what we can see and not on what we can't see. His kingdom is amazing. What we find here this morning in one of the scriptures that it speaks of, Matthew 27, 11, it says, Now Jesus stood before the governor, and the governor asked him, saying, Are you the king of the Jews? And Jesus said to him, It is as you say. Listen to that. Jesus did not deny it. He's sitting there. He's fixing to be crucified. And they're already they're fixing to whip on Him and all this stuff. And they say, are you the King of the Jew? And He says, yes, I am. How many know that was at the very height of the rejection of the Jewish nation? You can't get more rejected than when they take you and put you on the cross. But yet, even at that moment of suffering, that moment of being beaten and stricken, he says, yes, I am the King. Hallelujah. They put it up on the cross of Calvary, and it was not a lie. The King of the Jews. He was still King at that moment. Hallelujah. At this point, many of the Jews had rejected, but the Lord said himself. In Matthew 28, 18, I love this passage, and usually when we read it, we think of the fact of the mission that God has called us to, and that is to win the loss. But at the same time, that passage starts out with a powerful thing, and it expresses his kingdom and who he is. And Jesus came and spoke to them, saying, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Can I say something this morning? That when you are in the position of king, all authority has been given to you. Oh, you rule the kingdom. There's nobody that can speak against you that you don't have the power to take out. Jesus and all authority. My word, that makes me feel good this morning. Amen? It makes me feel good to knowing that my king has the last word. Hallelujah. He has the last trumpet. He's the one that will say what will take place on this earth. That is our God and our king. Hallelujah. Oh, the king of kings and the Lord of lords. All authority. He is not just a king, but He is the reigning king of kings. Right now. Not when He gets back. Right now. He is reigning as king. 
Notice in Revelations chapter 19 verse 16 it says this, and he has on his robe, on, on his thigh, a name that is written. My friend, I'm going to tell you, I'm looking forward to seeing that robe. Amen? And on what's written, and it says this, King of kings and Lord of lords. This is when he's coming back to set up his physical kingdom upon planet earth. And he's up in the sky, and upon his robe is written, King of kings and Lord of lords. It doesn't say, as soon as I get there, I'm going to be the King of kings and the Lord of lords. It doesn't say in the future, I'm going to be the King of kings and Lord of lords. It says, King of kings and Lord of lords. It has been established. It was established. All power established on the cross of Calvary as He defeated the King of this world. Satan himself. Hallelujah. Jesus is King today. He is King. He is the King of kings and the Lord of lords. It is a fact. Listen, He was King when He was incarnated. He was King when He came through the Virgin Mary. He was King when He rode into Jerusalem on a donkey. And He was King on the cross. And He was King down under. And He was King when He rose up from the grave. And He is King sitting on the right hand side of the Father this morning. He is still King. Hallelujah. King of kings. That is our God. He is that king. He has never been that moment that he did not have kingdom. His kingdom is expanding and is endless. That brings encouragement to me too. Because sometimes we feel like we're being shrank down. But his kingdom is expanding and it's endless. It's expanding and it's endless. Isaiah 9, now this is not, I'm not going to preach a Christmas message, but listen, it says, For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government will be upon his shoulder, and his name will be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. How many of you have had him to be that for you? Amen. In your life. And then it says, Of increase of his government and peace, there will be no end. Did you hear what it says? Of increase and of end. Of the increase of His government, there will be no end. His kingdom is always growing and it will never, ever, ever, ever end. I'm going to tell you, I hope you get some hope this morning realizing that you're serving the right one. That you're serving the King. And the kingdom that we belong to, the citizenship that we have, will never end. It doesn't matter who sets in the White House. It doesn't matter who's in rule. It is only the fact and the very established fact that the kingdom that Jesus has begun will never end. And it will always grow. Hallelujah. It will always grow. Praise God this morning. It will always increase. That's what the Word of God says. Uh, that increase, it will never end. His kingdom increases, listen, and this is what may confuse us a little bit, but His, increase, His kingdom increases every time somebody gets saved. Come on, I hear, I hear pastors, you know, well, we open, they open a new church and say, well, we've grown this much, but yet the other church got empty. Come on, the sheep go from one congregation to the other, and that's really not church growth. The only way the kingdom of God grows is when somebody gets saved. Come on, that's true growth in a congregation is when people get saved. Luke 17, verses 20 and 21 says this, Now when he was asked by the Pharisees 
when the kingdom of God would come, he answered them and said, the kingdom of God does not come with observation. Nor will they say, see here or see there, for indeed the kingdom of God is within you. Talks about the kingdom growing inside. People coming to know the Lord. See, it's not about territory. And a lot of kingdom now preach that we, the church of God, have conquered all the territory. That's not our mission, my friend. The kingdom now theory should be this, is that we need to get Jesus in every living human being. We need to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ because it's that that changes a person. Is what goes inside. It's that moment. That moment when they get saved is what changes somebody's life. My friend, this morning as I'm preaching, this short time that I've been preaching, there have been literally thousands of people that have been saved since I started. Come on, we got our eyes on America too much when it comes to this, this church growth thing. We got our eyes on the fact that it just seems like our message is just not accepted anymore. But I'm telling you, there's countries that are people are getting saved right now as I'm speaking. Amen. Thousands of people are getting saved. The kingdom of God is growing. The kingdom of God is expanding as people get saved. It's not about stuff. Oh, I love stuff. How many like stuff? I love it, man. I'm, I'm, I'm glad. But you know, the Bible tells us, seek ye first the kingdom of God and His righteousness and all these other things shall follow. The, the key is the kingdom of God. Amen. It's not about stuff. It's not about all the blessings. I thank God that we're a blessed people, but our mission is not stuff. Our mission is people. And that's what the kingdom of God, every time we get somebody saved, somebody, the kingdom of God increases. Uh, some, how do you change uh, this neighborhood around this church? It's not new sidewalks that are going to do it. I'm going to tell you what changes the neighborhood around this church is when people get Jesus inside their heart. And isn't it amazing? There's an old saying that says when you get the dad, you get the family. But can I tell you something? When you get the center, you get the house. And when you get the center, you get the job. And when you get the center, you get the territory. But it starts in the kingdom of God as somebody gets saved. Amen? When they get saved. I wasn't a tither before I got saved. But when I got saved, I've been a tither. Amen? Ever since I got my heart right with the Lord, I started giving into the kingdom of God. I remember Ray Cook, he baptized me. Y'all remember Ray Cook? He followed uh, brother, brother Knuckles. He baptized me and he told me he was going to hold me up or hold me down long enough till my wallet floated up. <laughs> I thought he was just joking until I was grabbing for air. No, just kidding. <laughs> Take it! <laughs> But the fact is this, that's how the kingdom of God is growing right now. The kingdom of God is growing as the message goes out. And people get saved. How many think we need the kingdom of God to grow in America again? Amen. We need it to grow once again in our country that we live in. The kingdom, kingdom now is about winning souls. His kingdom rule will be on earth one day. I'm looking forward to that day. 
that when He comes and He's actually ruling, and we have all us that will be there helping Him during that millennium. I'm looking for that day where there will be no more fighting, no more of this. It will be all about King Jesus in Jerusalem. And that day also is coming. And this passage speaks of that day. And my friend, I don't know when that's going to take place, but I'm going to tell you, it's going to be a grand umbrella because of the wind that we get. You know, wind comes to do some destruction. Amen. When I, before I shaved my hair off, it used to give me issues. I'd have it all, all, all cemented up here on the top. And one day I noticed while I was talking to somebody, it was going. And I thought, you know, I'm going to get rid of that. More hairspray. But I'm just saying today, the wind in this scripture is not speaking of the mild, just a little breeze, but it's talking about something that has come to do damage into our lives. The tempest is the same thing. Wind can equal the storm and the temptations or even false doctrines are spoke of as being blown away by every wind of doctrines. We know false doctrines can do some damage in our lives. False teachings. First Peter says this in 5.8, it says, Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, is, walks about like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. Listen to that. It says your adversary. Whose? Yours. Not just mine, but your adversary walks around seeking who he may devour. That says I have got a mark on my back because I belong to the Lord and the adversary. Who's my adversary? The devil and all that work for him have an intent of doing me damage. And when we look at the wind, the wind is not, you know, the wind comes along in those forms of temptations. And if I was to ask you this morning, how many of you have been tempted today? Or how many of you have had false doctrines that you've had to deal with and, and different things? Those are the winds that come in our life. But can I say this morning that the tempest is worse than the wind? If you've read the story in the book of Acts, you've seen Paul as he was sailing to Rome. And they set sail and they got into a, a storm called a tempest. And literally the only thing that came out of that storm, the ship was wrecked, everything was wrecked. The only thing they came out was with their life themselves. And the Lord said, not one hair of your head shall be lost if you will follow my instructions. So we have those moments in our life, those moments that the, the enemy comes after us in such a violent way. The, the definition is a violent wind for a tempest. It's talking about the enemy coming in and seeing you already hurt a little bit and comes in and tries to take you out if he can do it. Those are moments that are difficult for a, a Christian and a child of God. Those are moments that we all have in our life. The tempest is more of an attack from evil and the enemy. And he's doing all that he can to destroy your walk with God and your life with God. He will take you. Have you ever seen a fight where someone gets down and then the person just starts kicking on them and kicking on them and kicking on them while they're down? You say, leave them alone, leave them alone. I'm going to tell you, the enemy doesn't care. If he finds you down a little bit, he's going to do what he can to take you out while you're down. That's what spoke of as a tempest. That's what spoke of that the devil is going to do all he can to get you out of relationship with God. I'm going to tell you, I have been there. I've been at those moments. 
I've been at those moments that it causes me to bring doubt, it brings depression in my life, and it also brings me to that moment of thinking, is it really worth it? And you say, since you've been saved? Yes, since I've been saved. I've had moments in my life that I've had to wrestle. I've had moments in my life that I thought I'm not going to make it. I've had moments in my life I'm thinking, I need somebody to step in and help me. Please, somebody, tag in and get this adversary off of me. Come on, anybody know what I'm talking about this morning? You say, well, I can't believe that you go through that. I'm going to say it. There's a lot of people go through it, and they don't know what to do. That moment. Notice this scripture says He hides and He covers us. He hides us from the wind and He covers us from the tempest. Many of us, many people use the word covert to describe that, that those two together. And it literally means of a, a, a brush or a, a place for the, an animal to hide when the hunter is hunting. It literally talks about a place that you can come and be sheltered. A place that you can hide from the enemy's attack. A place that you can go that the enemy cannot touch you. Is what it's speaking of. That covering. I'm going to tell you, it's in those moments that you find the king coming in. It's in those moments that the king will speak something like this to the adversary. They've been washed by the blood of the Lamb of God. It's maybe that moment that you have it in your spirit to speak the Word of God. It's that moment that the king comes into your life and gives you the, the freedom and gives you the victory and delivers you from that attack. I'm not just preaching to myself this morning, but I've been there. I know that there's been moments that the Lord has had to step up and says, no, no, He's covered with the blood of the Lamb of God. You can't have Him. You can't touch Him. He's mine. I bought and paid for Him. He has been ransomed by the blood of the Lamb of God. I'm saying today that's the king we have that speaks and stands up for you. Hallelujah. He's our Lord and He's our King. In those moments, you're not by yourself. Hallelujah. In those moments, you have the Prince of Prince. In those moments, you have the King of Kings. In that moment, you have He who has all authority in heaven and earth to speak against the devil that's coming after your very soul. In those moments, you have a hiding place from the adversary. It's those times that we figure this out. It's those times that He brings deliverance into our life. <coughs> it also speaks He refreshes us in the time of dryness. Those times that life brings. The rivers of water in a dry place. Now you know where confirmation comes. Rivers of water in a dry place. Those times of life that brings disappointments. We've all had moments of disappointment. Somebody told us, let's get saved and everything's going to be great. I'm going to tell you, I found that it's not always great even though we belong to the Lord. Those moments of disappointments in our life. We get disappointed in people. We get disappointed in God. We get disappointed in, in things, how life goes, and, and how people respond in relationships. Have you figured out that 99% of your life is about relationships? Come on, from the Genesis all the way to Revelation is about relationships. The Ten Commandments is about relationships. We have relationships. 
all of our life. And sometimes they can bring disappointments into our life and they can hurt extremely. We can even be that moment of discouragement. Well, Lord, I've come and I've asked you to heal me. This is the 999th time that I'm coming up here. Or Lord, I've, I've been seeking you, but yet you haven't, you, haven't, you haven't brought anything answer into my life. How many have been there that of getting discouraged and you think, well, I'm, I'm just never going to ask God to touch me again. Come on, I'm just speaking real this morning. I'm speaking the way we think. Amen? Or you think, oh, I, I, I pleaded, I pleaded, I pleaded, and I'm done now. I'm finished. I'm, I'm over it. I'm done. Those times of discouragement, I'm going to tell you, all of us have times of discouragement. I, I get discouraged. All of us get discouraged. Amen? And those times of discouragement, those, those are dry places in our lives. Those are places that are getting dry. You know, it's not only that, but it's also those times of dissatisfaction, those times of depletion of, of things in our life, and even depression. But I, can I tell you this morning, I love the fact that he's already spoken between worship and the preaching of the Word. I, I got it written down here, right here in my deal. He is that river of life. Come on, the God just does something. He's speaking to somebody in this house this morning. In those moments of discouragement, in those moments of depression, in those moments that you think, I just can't give anything else. I've gave all that I got. I'm depleted of love. I'm depleted of give. All these things, when you're in that dry place, you feel nothing. But I'm going to tell you tonight that God says, I've got a river of life for you. And the King will come in the midst of your dryness. Hallelujah. And He will bring forth something that looks good. Doesn't it look good around the panhandle right now my word if you're visiting thinking about moving here you think this is the greatest place in the world hey everything's green amazing we're cutting the grass twice a week but I'm going to tell you there's dryness coming and I'm not a prophet I've just lived here most of my life but look what the water does before the rain started you could see every three blades of grass in our front yard. Come on. You, we, we took a trip from here and we went to Hansford County over to the cemetery over there and kind of looked at the tombstone of mom. And, and over the tree, it just looked terrible. There were just patches, just dry ground. And that's what we feel like in our soul and our spirit. But I'm going to tell you, the Bible says there's a, a river of life. Hallelujah. Oh, and when it comes into a person that's dry, oh my word, I'm going to tell you today, there's new life that stirs up inside of us. When the river of life flows through us, hallelujah, and we start to experience Jesus in a special way. Amen. The river of life. It flows. I've I don't know about you, but you, you, you go there. It may be, listen, it may be this morning that you walk out of this place filled up. And it may be at one of the services this next week. But I'm saying today when you're dry, we all know when you're dry, you need a drink. Oh, when, the, when the area's dry, we need some rain. And this river comes and brings healing into our life. And things change. My whole attitude's different since I'm watching Robin mow the yard. You know, it, it, it's just better. The guys around me says, how do you get your wife to do that? And I said, fake a heart attack. That's it. So. I love the song that we sing. 
There's a river whose streams make glad the city of our God. There's a river whose streams make glad the city of our God. And it says, so I will rejoice. I will rejoice and be glad. I will rejoice. I will rejoice and be glad in it. And there's a fountain full of grace and it flows from Emmanuel's vein. And it came and it healed me and it came and it refreshed me and it came and it washed me. Hallelujah! That river of life that comes from Jesus Himself that does a work in our lives. That river. Hallelujah. Last part here, it says he's the rock in a weary land. He's a rock in a weary land. What does a weary land look like? What does a person do when they're in a weary land? Paul gives us a pretty good description in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verses 8 through 9. He says, We are hard pressed on every side, yet not crushed. We are perplexed, but not despaired. We are persecuted, but not forsaken. Struck down, but not destroyed. Come on, you want to know what a weary land feels like? I think Paul described it pretty good at that very moment. I I want to say whatever Paul and the disciples was going through, they felt like it was the weary, the land was very weary for them. It was totally taking all they had out of them. But listen to what what it says in that verse. Can I tell you this morning, we live in a weary land called America. I know we're supposed to be the land of the free. We're supposed to be the land of the brave. But let me tell you something. We're living in a weary land. What's going on in our land can really work us over. We are being told to accept perversion of every kind as normal. Come on, I seen a cartoon the other day and it just had... had a Christian sitting there and it was just opened up like a box of cereals and it had all the things they're trying to help get us to accept this normal day, just putting it down our throat. I'm going to tell you that is a weary land that we're, that we're living in today. We are surrounded by crooked, greedy, power-hungry politicians. I know I may not get to preach anymore. But we are. We're surrounded by them. It's not what's good for our country anymore, but it's only what's good for them. That's where we're living. We're living in that moment of land that we're in. Our media outlets are censored and controlled by one small handful of people in this country. What we hear, what we see on TV is controlled by them. I'm not trying to stir you up this morning, but I'm trying to get you to understand we are in a weary land. Our elections are attainted. Our freedom is being used to destroy us from the inside out. Our money buys less and less. Unbelievable what things are costing at the moment. Now I've got all y'all frowning. I'll, I'll lift you back up here in just a second. But listen, many Christians are feeling tired in this weary land that we're living in. It does start to work on you when you're pressed down from every side like Paul was speaking. I'm not, some will say, well, why don't you preach a little more about it? I'm not, I don't have my head in the sand. I understand that, but I'm not going to let that be how I live. 
Come on, I, if I want to let everybody depress me or what's being done, depress me, I found something a little better. I'm telling you something. When Paul wrote that, notice he said, yeah, we're pressed on every side. But uh, I'm going to say you something. Paul found something in the weary land. He found the rock. Hallelujah. He found the rock that he could lean on. He found the rock that he could have shade. I'm going to tell you, we may not change our country even before Jesus comes back. But I know this much. Hallelujah. The rock is still alive. And that rock can still bring shade. And that rock can still bring comfort. And that rock can still bring hope. And it can still relieve us from everything. My friend, I choose to look to the rock Hallelujah. The shade of the rock and the coolness of the rock in the midst of the land that we live today. I don't want to be a depressed Christian. Why should I be depressed when I got the rock, hallelujah, to lift me up and to take care of me? The rock of Jesus in the weary land. Hallelujah. Come on. They say the rock brings a shade to somebody in a weary land. It literally... Helps them to get the heat off of them. And then if you reach out and touch the rock, it's even cooler than the rest of the environment. Come on, I'm just saying today, and what the Word of God is saying, is that we have a rock in this weary land that we call America today. Amen? How many of you need to go to the rock? Get refreshed a little bit. And let God refresh you. Be like Elijah. Get some cake from heaven. And then get back to what God's calling us to do. Amen. I, I know. I, I, I limit myself to what I watch and what I hear. It's getting where you can't watch anything on TV. I mean, reruns, right? That's it. Every story, every, every sitcom, everything is incorporating all these perversions. And we don't have to, you know, there's something to do besides watch TV. Play cards. But see, Paul, listen to Paul again. We are hard-pressed on every side, yet not crushed. We are perplexed, but not in despair. Persecuted, but not forsaken. Struck down, but not destroyed. You can almost hear him saying what he said in Romans chapter 7, 25. Remember that, that scripture, that, that passage where he says, I do what I don't want to do and, and all that? Sounds like Festus talking, right? But listen to how he ends that chapter. He says this, I thank God through Jesus Christ our Lord, so then with the mind I myself serve the law, but with the flesh the law of sin. But I thank God through Jesus Christ. Listen to me. We are not forsaken here. Pastor, if you'll come. We are not forsaken. I know that we can get weary in this land and we can get tired in this weary land because the land just seems to keep clipping at you. It keeps putting rays at you. It keeps working on you. But I'm going to tell you, if we'll go to the rock for the shade, we'll find relief. There's an old song that's titled, A Shelter in the Time of Storm. First verse goes, The Lord's our rock, in Him we hide. Or the course does. A shelter in the time of storm. Secure whatever ill be tied. A shelter in the time of storm. Mighty rock in a weary land. Cooling shade on the burning sand. Faithful guide for the pilgrim band. A shelter in the time of storm. 
Another one is Jesus is a rock in the weary land. How many of you remember some of these? You have to be a little older to remember some, not, you know, probably older than me, and to remember some of these. Just kidding. And it goes, Jesus is a rock in a weary land. And Jesus is a rock in a weary land. You know, I love a lot of those old hymns because those hymns went home into the Scripture. And they bring forth the truth that speaks. And the way I hear it, Scripture is very powerful to encourage us and strengthen us in those times. So we can find comfort in the fact that He is King now. Amen? And also that we're under the King's care. We're under the King's care. My wife, she went shopping yesterday with the ladies from the church. That was the longest day in my life. I had to do two meals on my own. No, three. Looks like I'm starving. I appreciate all that she does. But can I tell you, we're under the King's care. The King's care. You know, we sing that song, Cast All Your Cares. That song is not right. It says, Cast, it should be. The scripture says, Cast All Your Care on Him. And there's a difference between casting your cares and your care. When you talk about care, it's talking about everything in my life. He's going to take care of me. When she was gone yesterday, the cat was wanting my wife to come home. And I found out I, I forgot to feed the cat at the right time. I was wondering, why are you in my lap? You know? But I'm just saying today, casting your care. 1 Peter 5, 7 says, Casting all your cares upon Him, for He cares for you. Casting all your care on Him, for He cares for you. I don't know where you're at this morning, but I know this much in this world that we live in. There's many things that can get us down. There's many things that can discourage us. Many things that can disappoint us. And maybe you're at that verge that you just feel the enemy attacking you so strong. I got news for you. You, are, you belong to King Jesus. And He is there to step in. He's there to fight for you. He's there to help you. That's our King. He says, I'm the King. I'm not going to call on somebody to... I, I love it. He's not going to call on somebody to... He's going to go and step in Himself and He's going to be the one. King Jesus. If you just trust Him this morning. The word that came from Brother Brian this morning. He's, there's a river that brings healing. There's a river. He says, i got a cup for you this morning. Are you willing to drink that cup this morning? Are you willing to say, I am done fighting. I want Jesus to step in. I want Him to take over. I want my disappointments to go away. You know, you, you can't change people, but you can sure have your heart changed. Amen? I have found that's how to get through many things. Every head bowed just for a minute this morning, and we are just about closed. I'm, I'm about out of time. How many would say this morning, Pastor, I need King Jesus to step into my life. I need Him to encourage. I need Him to get me through this difficult time that I'm going through. I need His comfort at this particular moment. Would you raise your hand and say, that's me, Pastor. Amen. Anybody else? Amen. Anybody else this morning? It's nothing to be ashamed of. You're just saying, I need the Lord to help me right now. Amen.